Wishing that this could be a bit more of a celebration. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 300 of the Internet's Finest English Language Argentine Football Podcast. Uh, I'm Sam Kelly, and you're listening to me along with English Dan. Hello and welcome to uh, the 300th Panda Pod. I don't know how we got to that number, but it's pretty impressive. We got to that number because I'm basically a very sad person with far too much spare time <laughs> on my hands. Aren't we all, Sam? Who, who becomes far too attached to a project once I've started it. Um, but more seriously, uh, I um, uh, thank you for listening, <laughs> basically, and thank you, Dan, for being such a big part of it. I was hoping to get Australian Dan on as well. Uh, we were in discussions to have a WhatsApp chat and um, edit it into this episode, but unfortunately he's gone a bit quiet. He is currently in Russia. That's how far the pod has come. Former team members mm-hmm. are travelling around Russia at the moment um, at the World Cup. Uh, so the time um, difference and, and his very busy schedule didn't really allow for it. Uh, but he's he's with us in spirit, always, yes. in a way. Um, and also thank you, of course, to, to all of you listeners for listening for such a long time. And particularly to those of you who've become Patreon supporters... In recent months, we've had another one just this morning or last night. I can't remember your name now, but thank you very much um, to our newest Patreon supporter. You'll be getting another Hand of Pod Extra, of course, after we finish recording this episode. And Um, if you want another 300 episodes, I suggest as many of you as possible sign up. Yes, uh, for another 300 episodes, I might need some kind of time machine to have the time to produce all of them as well, because I'm not sure, you know. Yeah. It, it's, it's taken seven and a half years to get here, so who knows where I'll be in seven and a half years' time. But um, we'll see. For now, here's to another hundred, at least. Yeah, We're not on Fernet this, um, today because we are recording at four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, we are drinking the English footballer's favourite beverage, mate, instead. Um, so this is going to be a much more sensible podcast than normal, perhaps. And I think that that's fitting. Because yes, the mood is sombre. It's rather sombre, everything. We had at least something to celebrate today, and that is the reason I came to Sam's flat decked in green. I think there's a team we're all very happy to to celebrate, and that is Nigeria. Who oh, sorry, that took me a while, yeah. I was like, yeah. you never told me that you've got Irish ancestors. And there you were, and you were claiming this was going to be a less silly episode, Sam. Mm. Yeah, Nigeria... Mm. Done more for Argentina's World Cup campaign today than Argentina have done in their two games so far. Although I do always think that there's a little bit of um, be careful what you wish for with with this stuff because the, the you know a lot of the Nigeria the Argentine um, conversation about this in the last twenty four hours has has been along the lines of 
you know, well, if Nigeria win and then we beat Nigeria, then that's it. And it's like, yeah, but that's a pretty big if, the way that they've played so far. <laughs> Obviously, we're not going to go over the chronology of the match or anything like that. The one good thing about um, the World... Well, sorry, there are lots of good things about the World Cup from a footballing point of view. But one of the nice things about the World Cup from the point of view... Um, of how we record these episodes is that we can probably fairly safely assume that all or most of you have seen all or most of the game or at least a significant chunk of highlights uh, which obviously isn't the normal case with the Superliga matches but is the case with the World Cup so that's nice Um, but we can obviously give our opinions on what went wrong and the difficulty really there is, is knowing where to start you pretty much have to start the begin at the beginning, right? Willy Caballero trying to play it cute and just spooning the ball about five meters away from himself and right up in the air. He couldn't have set up Rebic better if he tried it, I think. No, and it was particularly frustrating because up until that point, I thought Argentina had looked pretty good. Not uh, yeah, not, I'd say more not, than not more than looking good. You brilliant. could say that Argentina and Croatia probably cancelled each other out in their mediocrity and neither of the teams uh, really wanted to give much away in the first half it was a very cagey affair you had a feeling that if the goal was going to come it was going to come from a defensive mistake rather than any great virtue of either side which indeed it did Um, in the first half the chances were fairly spread out as well I remember obviously Enzo Pérez had a fantastic Opportunity to open the scoring, um, which he skewed just wide, and I must admit, I thought it was in for a for a second. Yeah, so did everybody did at scream. the fest as well. Yes. Ah, did you go to Parque Centenario? I did. I yes. bet that was. Uh, well, that was why I wasn't tweeting because there was no Wi-Fi there. I bet that was a cheerful place to be after the game. Um, it was. Yeah, we we got out pretty quickly. Me and my mate. Um, Didn't hang around to ask any opinions. No. No, I didn't. The, the p- people were more than happy to give their opinions to the general atmosphere I can um, imagine by and large yes uh, yeah but yeah as we're, to get back on this kind of chronological analysis um, yeah you have to say Galashido's mistake coming at such a sensitive time just after half time when each team was trying to work out how exactly they were going to play the second half was key because it took all the pressure off Croatia they just had to play their game which is very organised um, not doing too much with the ball and playing on the counter and it obliged Argentina to do something. And what we've seen throughout this World Cup and before, uh, even for a long stretch of the game against AT, is that this is a team that don't really know how to do anything. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I thought they were learning how to do things in the first half. And I, I mean, I say good. Obviously, they weren't good, good. Um, but it looked to me the most like a Jorge Sampaoli team that they mm. have looked since he took over yeah. in as much as you had the high press you had Aguero leading up from the front whenever um, I was about to say Iceland whenever Croatia uh, were passing the ball around at the back Eduardo Salvio charging forward um, to close down his fullback Messi joining in as well and, and trying to you know as you say it looked most likely that the goal was going to come from a defensive mistake and although Argentina's defence was definitely the shakier I thought for the first half it looked more likely that Argentina were going to provoke a defensive mistake from Croatia yeah, than, than make one themselves, which at least in the first half is sort of more or less how it went, except they didn't quite manage to, to provoke that mistake. Yeah, there was a bit of unjustified panic, I think, at half-time because uh, I saw peppered all over Twitter and, and various uh, websites. Um, you wouldn't have seen it. 
I'm guessing you might have afterwards that Messi touched the ball less than Caballero in the first half mm. and I believe Aguero touched it seven times it's not great but I don't think it told the whole story because those times you know Messi did have the ball they were generally in fairly dangerous positions in in the first half and Aguero as well I mean I've had my fair share to say about Aguero and the national team in, in the recent in recent years where he hasn't been particularly impressive but I didn't think he had a terrible first half at least he was you know running down his his markers and making life uncomfortable for him and that yeah, that's he, what Argentina needed like he did the defensive forward job very well and I thought after he was replaced with Gonzalo Higuain forget about you know who's in better goal scoring form at the moment forget about what you think about whether Higuain should be in the squad or not I know what a significant portion of our listenership thinks about that obviously um, just style wise Higuain is a forward who likes to drop off and join in the build up much more um, he showed that actually that that, that point when um, Maxi Mesa just sort of pulled it back right on the on the byline and then somebody or other got in a, a, a block from a messy shot from about half a yard out uh, with the score at 1-0 yeah, uh, Higuain was pretty crucial to the build up for that but what him dropping off all the time to join in did was it pushed Messi deeper and it pushed the whole team deeper because suddenly when Croatia's defenders had the luxury of time on the ball which they hadn't had while Aguero was on the pitch Yes, yeah, precisely what Iwain's done in all of his recent Argentina games. Mm. Uh, he hasn't posed a threat in the box. Yeah, they, they, they had the chance wide as yeah. well, and he'd be sort of playing as an inside right, being the person who was there as the option to put the cross in, yeah. rather than being the centre forward who the cross was going to be aimed at, which you thought was what he was sent onto the pitch to do. Exactly, and I can't remember. I know Pavon came on for the second sub. I can't remember off the top of my head who came Pavon on. Pavon came on for Enzo Perez. For Enzo Perez. And that was a move that I think really uh, disarmed the, mm. the Argentina plan. If it had kind of coughed and spluttered but sort of been okay before. And once Pavon was on, we just got back to the same unbalance and it was just too easy for Croatia to pick off, really. Um, yeah, and the shape was lost. Yeah, yeah. The substitution I would have, you know, personally had Pavon in from the start. I know we chatted about that on Tuesday, but you know, in the, between those two days uh, between recording and the match, Sampaoli eventually plumped for Enzo and Mesa, who didn't have awful first halves, I must admit. Um, but I would have had Pavon coming on in the second half. For Mesa, Not, when Enzo Pérez came off, it, the team's balance was all lost. Yeah, and, and and the shape got lost with, I mean, Pavon and Acuna ended up kind of cancelling each other out. They, they seemed to be tripping over each other a little bit to me. Uh, and then after Paolo Dybala came on, the same thing on the right-hand side as well. Yeah. Um, but Sam, this is Dybala. Well, obviously, Dybala's the best player in the world, and how can you leave him out of the team? I mean, if, if you're going to send him on, and I would think particularly if you're going to send him on during a time when Gonzalo Higuain is on the pitch as well maybe play them together the way they play at Juventus which my understanding is Dybala in the middle behind Higuain that means moving Messi out to the right but you know Messi's going to find a bit more space there than, he was, than he'd already been finding all game maybe he'd have found it a bit of a relief and perhaps Dybala and Higuain can, can gel I mean Argentina uh, we've mentioned this numerous times in the last few months when we've talked about international football in comparison with teams like Spain and Germany Argentina don't have the luxury of being able to field very many players who play at the same club and particularly not who play at the same club and in roughly the same area of the pitch and therefore work in tandem quite a lot 
So on the very rare occasion um, that they do have that chance, why not use it? Why stick Dybala way out? Because Messi was dropping wide himself anyway, and Dybala was acting as if Sampaoli had gone, whatever you do, stay outside Messi. So when Messi was two yards away from the touchline, Dybala was standing on the touchline, and you're like, what are you doing? Yeah, it was a mess. You you had two right-wingers, you had two left-wingers in Acuna and Pavon. Uh, nobody in the middle because Iguain, as I say, wasn't really dropping into the centre forward position. He was he was pulling off, um, and uh, and also no one in midfield because Enzo Perez had, had been taken off and Mascherano was having to marshal that on his own. And therein, and we all know Mascherano isn't capable of doing that anymore, and he hasn't yeah. been at least since 2014, if yeah. even then. I mean, it, it, it reminded me more than anything watching uh, particularly the, the third Croatian goal right the the length of the pitch counter yeah. reminded me more than anything of, of um, Diego Maradona managing the side in 2010 and then coming up against Germany and going right Javier Mascherano you're the central midfield for this match against Germany and I remember seeing the team sheet there and thinking well you know, if we didn't already know what was going to happen the first time Maradona's team came up against a good side then we know now um, and sure enough, the inevitable came to pass. Yeah, it was um, a surrender. It, I apologise for that. My, breaking things. No, no, the, 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 the cat's got nothing to do with the oh. shower curtain. Just fell down. She's not in the bathroom. Um, what was I saying? Uh, the, the the difference now is that with the increasing kind of parity, I think that we're seeing at international level, uh, Argentina are coming up against those good teams, or at least the well-organised teams, much earlier than they did, yeah. even. Eight years ago, when I mean to take your example. Yeah, manager. to take your example from from 2010 uh, was a fairly awful Argentina team. I don't know how it would stack up against this one. Obviously, that's counterfactual. But uh, that team, with all its limitations, won the three group games. Uh, it was against Mexico, South Korea. South Korea no, Mexico Greece. was last 16. Oh, was it South Korea, Greece, and um, Nigeria? I believe. Nigeria four years ago in the group. Were they not eight years ago as well? I don't think so. Let's have a quick Google. I always have a feeling that Nigeria and Argentina are always in the same group, and that's sort of it's a happened World Cup final. several times in the last couple of decades, but yeah. I don't think 2010 was one of them. I might be wrong. It was definitely South Korea and Greece. Should be another European side then, shouldn't it? Should it? Normally two European sides in a group. Hmm. At least that's the way it's worked this year and the yeah. last time. Let's see. 2010 World Cup. Ah, but in 2010 there was an extra African team because of South Africa. Perhaps of course there were. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, where are we? The groups. The groups, the groups, the groups. Uruguay, Mexico, South Africa, France, Argentina, South Korea, Greece, Nigeria. You're right. Well done. X. Well done. Um, and that was, yeah, that was a group where Argentina won all three games with seven, seven scored, one conceded. Mm. And you say on paper, like, yeah, it's probably a weaker group on paper than this one, but it also shows just how much, yeah, as Sam says, the the, perf- the performance gaps have, have narrowed so much. I mean, you could I mean it's, it's also not helped. It's kind of exacerbated in this World Cup by the fact that I, I think, leaving aside Argentina, who obviously um, are enormously off form and, and arguably in need of a, a massive renovation to the squad, I think even the top teams at this World Cup, the, the ones who actually are good, are not that good hmm. um, so it, it's it's very entertaining don't get me wrong I'm not complaining I'm, I've found <laughs> the whole thing tremendously fun so far uh, but I, I haven't seen anybody who stands out head and shoulders above the rest so far no I think that's fair 
Um, so who do we blame? We can do, pretty do, much do we have blame, blame everyone. Anybody? Of course we do. This is Argentina. Uh, Sampaoli seems to be the guy who's who's borne the brunt of the blame. The brunt of the blame. Brunt of the blame. Um, rightfully so in some senses. Mm, unjustifiably in others. Uh, I, I think, think just said. Well, I don't think his system. Uh, was a disaster. He admitted in himself in the press conference where that where he heard was in his um, his management of the game, not in his tactics. Um, words that got hideously misinterp- well, misinterpreted, skewed. Let's say by uh, Tasty Sports journalist to catch out Sergio Aguero. Mm. But we'll get onto that in a in a little bit. But yeah, Sampoli's takeaway was. Uh, he read the game wrong. He read what Croatia were doing and how it was going to develop incorrectly. He, his changes were, were not the correct ones, and yeah, and he should he should take responsibility for that. What this journalist said when he uh, collared Sergio Aguero in the mix zone was that Sambabli said that his tactics went wrong because the players didn't adapt. And Sergio Aguero very petulantly goes, yeah, he can say whatever he wants and just walked off. Hmm. Which, on the, the, the one there hand, are, points at things yeah, wrong with the... it points that kind of uh, lack of, let's say, team spirit, possibly, and a lack of cohesion between Sampaoli and his players. And on the other hand, it's pretty much the most attitude any Argentina player has showed since this World Cup's kicked off. Mm. I think the, the lack of kind of reaction and just the willingness to, to dig down, I know we're straying into, into cliche territory here when it's always better to kind of focus on the technical, the tactical aspects, but, but they really haven't uh, shown much of, much garra, let's say, as the Uruguayans like to call it. Yeah, um... And and as I saw mentioned a few times afterwards, that the sort of okay, the journalist should be criticised um, for misquoting Sampaoli, presumably deliberately, but perhaps he misunderstood what Sampaoli had said. I don't know. Um, in order to get a reaction from Aguero, Aguero, Aguero could probably have said, shouldn't have reacted uh, no, the way he did. Sorry, also, I haven't heard that and just walked off. Yeah, as well. I mean exactly the, the sort of the stock response for yeah. players there is is. To go, you know, I'll, I'll have I'm to see the actual quote. I'll, yeah. I'll have to wait and see a clip of it later or something like that. Um, and the fact that he didn't sort of, I think, does show a certain kind of unraveling of, of of the group at the moment. Argentina don't seem to be a united squad. No, not at all. Um, which is troubling. It is because, uh, on paper at least, you could put a lot of the picks down almost solely for that reason to try and uh, bring together a group of players that know each other and should at least theoretically be be united on um, you know guys like Machirano who is past his best uh, possibly even a keeper like Cavachero who while he hasn't been a regular starter has been bouncing around the the um, Argentina setup for, for a while now um, Higuain of course over Icardi, which is a pick that owes more to what he's done with the with the national team in 
in the past than what he's done in any kind of recent memory. Yeah, and also, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, to, to the fact that apparently Icardi didn't sort of gel well as part of the group yeah. um, prior to the tournament. Which it's hard to know time, what he could do worse. Exactly. I mean, well, and, 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 we know and, what he could have done. And at the time, with the memory of you know Alejandro Sabella and Gerardo Martino both keeping Romero mm-hmm. as the first-choice goalkeeper, partly because of his importance to the group as a person and the memory of how well that went, and also, of course, with the memory of the fact that Romero, actually, as we'll get on to perhaps in a few minutes, um, is a goalkeeper who's never really let Argentina down. Um, When when you have that memory, and then you have Mal Riccardi isn't making the squad because he's he's not right for the rest of the group on a personal level, you think, "Hmm, yeah, okay, this makes sense. And then you see, as I say, how how they seem to just be disintegrating before our eyes Mm. on, on a personal level and everything else. Um, and you think, well, would Icardi have been so poisonous that he'd have made all of this even worse? No, you could say the same thing about... If scores an equalising goal in the crucial time against Croatia, then maybe it would have been better. Yeah. And this was, theoretically, of course, again, uh, one of the reasons why Ricky Sindorian was overlooked at the very last minute mm. after supposedly being in San Paolo's 23 at the start because he went to a birthday party and he might, you know, not be... He might be a bit of a troublemaker. It's like maybe a troublemaker wouldn't do Argentina <laughs> too badly now. Like just someone who could, yeah, who and show something. And, and I also think with, with that kind of thing that it, it does feel a bit like San Paoli is trying to second guess it. I know I said this a few days ago as well, but but I mean, in terms of a selection level as well, like like he's trying to be a new sort of man because I mean, first of all, when you look at San Paoli off the pitch. Mm away from his life in football the visiting of uh, Cachajeros the band who are in jail for, yes. still for the um, the Cromanian tragedy you know they're one of his favourite bands and he goes to visit them in prison and, and he's like yeah I'm a big fan of your cause and everything and it's like these people were some of the instigators of a nightclub fire that killed I can't remember how many kids um, you know like things like that things like screaming at a security person who Gave him a, 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 booze, a policeman, sorry, yeah, who, who gave him a booze control when he'd left a nightclub and saying, you know, you earn 100 pesos a month, what do you think you are to, to be doing this to me, <laughs> idiot? Um, strike me as the actions of not necessarily the nicest person in the world. But also, <laughs> apart from that, we're talking about a manager. If, if we go back onto just Jorge Sampaoli, the football manager, this is somebody who in 2015 um, won the Copa America with Chile and a vital part of that squad, a pivotal part of that squad, somebody who, in terms of just his pure ability as a footballer, is exactly the kind of player that Argentina are missing, in precisely the kind of role they're missing in as well, central midfield. Um, but he had Arturo Vidal as a crucial member of that World Cup. And you're telling me Arturo Vidal's not a troublemaker? <laughs> Come on. I mean, during the fucking tournament, he nearly killed somebody by speeding his car, and then he, you know... Um, so it, it's... It sticks in the craw a little bit. I mean, as, as I sort of jokingly put it when the squad was announced, I didn't have a major problem with Centurion being left out and even being left out for personal reasons. But for Sampaoli to leave him out for those personal reasons, just as for Sampaoli to go with the back four because that's what the players wanted and then to do this back three um, and to switch the, the exact personnel who were taking part slightly compared with what we thought was going to happen when we recorded the other day... Um, 
it all continues to me to feel like he's doing things that are against his own conviction. He's trying to censor himself in some way. When I just can't help thinking that if he went for it and said, you know, I'm going to stop second-guessing myself, Argentina could be unleashed. I mean, not now. (laughs) Not against Nigeria. Not in this World Cup. I think it's a bit too late for that now. But in, in the medium to long term, or if he had done this several months ago, it would be nice to see him get a medium to long term. I said it before, and I'll, I'll say it again. He's, uh, you know, his track record speaks for itself. A uh, good coach just doesn't just turn into a bad coach overnight. Um, it's not just at Chile. Uh, before that, with Universidad de Chile, he put together possibly the best team I've seen in South America since I've arrived here in terms of, you know, not just a single a single season success but kind of sustained over two or three years and, and with so many players you know coming and going because obviously that's what happens if you're a good team in South America um, if he had a chance to to make this team his own I think I think he could do it uh, that's not going to happen at at this World Cup and going to just throw this out here just just to test the water um, I can't see any coach making the team his own as long as one Lionel Messi is here. Ah, it's quite a statement. I certainly can't see San Paoli making the team his own while Messi's here because San Paoli seems completely enthralled to Messi. He does to, to an extent that none of Argentina's previous managers even have been, even Edgardo Balsa or even Martino, probably the guiltiest of, of, of pandering to him. Um, and when I say pandering, I don't necessarily mean that Messi is insisting on doing everything himself or being a big diva or anything, but just the the, the way that he builds the entire team around him to such a massive extent that everybody else loses their collective responsibility and it piles pressure onto Messi. Um, a friend of Hand of Pod, Esteban Beckerman, who took part in the one occasion he has been on Underpod actually was during the last World Cup it was just oh. after the, um, the semi-final because he came on to talk about Di Stefano shortly after Di Stefano had died didn't he oh. um, was, was sort of talking uh, on, on Facebook he, I, I feel reasonably confident sharing this because he tends to share a lot of things on his Facebook onto Twitter as well I, I think this was one of them I apologise Esteban if you're listening and it wasn't um, but he's of the opinion that Messi um, could you know very well rather than being a bottler as such, is, is suffering from an excess, excess of stress, basically, and, and doesn't know how to deal with it. Um, we're talking about somebody who's said in the past himself that he, he doesn't like the idea of a, a team psychiatrist or anything like that. Hmm. Um, psychiatrist or psychologist? Psychologist, psychologist. Um, I can understand him not wanting a team psychiatrist. That would be a bit too extreme. Yes. Um, but, you know, and, and he's, he's struggling, therefore, to... to deal with that in the same way you know it, I was reminded of it by the scenes that we saw earlier today of Neymar breaking down in tears as soon as Brazil's game ended um, and I think I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if it's something that we start to see increasingly in, in future generations of footballers because the media glare is so much more intense now yeah you could the see previous greats who had balls and, <laughs> and were men's men ever had to deal with yeah you could see against uh, Croatia even before kickoff that uh, Messi's body language wasn't uh, positive, let's say, uh, mm. during the national anthem, he had his head in his hands. Um, he, 
I'm not going to say he seemed overawed by the situation because he wasn't. Um, he's been in bigger games before and he'll be in bigger games afterwards. But, uh, you, yeah, you can't help feeling that the pressure, especially on on Messi at Argentina, is, is beyond what any player has in the world has to face. Not even Neymar in, with Brazil because, as we saw shortly before recording, uh, Neymar was getting frustrated and frustrated, couldn't break down Costa Rica. But who pops up bursting in from midfield? Felipe Caldinho. Um, the burden shared in Brazil. They've got uh, Caldinho or, or even a Paulinho or someone like that to, to break through in midfield and, and make the difference and just you know take some of the responsibility for creating and scoring off Messi. Uh, yeah, Argentina I- don't have that. Exactly, and and you know I've seen a few people, particularly after Brazil's opening game, a few of the football journalists that we both follow on Twitter that um, opining that perhaps if Neymar were to be injured, you know when it, when he was injured, uh, I think the day that we recorded last, in fact, uh, in training, it might prove to be a blessing in disguise for Brazil because they wouldn't have that sort of slightly disruptive presence on the pitch at times. Obviously, today's display showed that uh, he can be good for Brazil as well. And I've had a few people in my Twitter mentions, I'm sure you have as well in yours, um, suggesting that Argentina could do uh, you know, much worse than drop Lionel Messi from the starting lineup in order to end the Messi dependence that they suffer from. And mm. I just think that the two teams are, are very different because whereas with Brazil, I, I think that, that dropping Neymar is, is harsh, but I can understand where the argument's coming from. Argentina have shown us Absolutely nothing, either with Messi in the team or without Messi in the team, which they had to do for you know quite a big chunk of the qualifiers, um, to suggest that they can be any good at all without him either. No, exactly. So, <laughs> uh, in my view, I'd, um, I'd say that the Croatia game yesterday was sort of an anomaly when you see teams lining up against Messi. Uh, generally, if uh, Messi's on the field, Argentina have the chance to make the most of it because... Um, Messi always has three people on, on top of him mm. and it would just be a case, you know, simple as it sounds, of using that extra space caused by three players gravitating towards one to, to take advantage and to, to break into the box. What Croatia did yesterday was mark Messi in, in a zone and they did it extremely effectively. Yeah. I think... Um, Marcelo Brozovic seems to be picking up more than anybody but when, yeah. when he sort of he wasn't, wasn't able to pull Brozovic out no. of position because if he wandered too far somebody else picked him up yeah. instead and Brozovic stayed where it was probably one of the best marking jobs I've seen on Messi, on Messi in, in quite a while there's not many teams who have done it as effectively as that and they did and they did it without compromising their shape as a whole um, the downside for Messi was that he just this time could couldn't pull out that the rabbit from the hat and 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 do what we all know he can. Hmm. Uh, usually you can you can count on at least one or two opportunities during a match where he'll leave four people in the dust and and be bearing down on goal. But it didn't happen. Uh, it says a lot more about Argentina that they need that to happen to to even have a chance of scoring. Yeah, indeed. Um... Jorge Sampaoli is, is still the manager, by the way, just to be clear. He's going to remain the manager 
for the Nigeria game. Yeah, there's been all sorts of press operations swirling around Argentina in the last few hours saying so just the clarify, squad has chucked him out, thrown him away. Just to clarify, um, he's almost definitely going to remain the manager for some indeed. time after the Nigeria game, regardless of the result as well. Yes, and rumours that ex Rafaela coach, I think he's been like Rafaela coach five times, I mean, Jorge Burruchala, and 1986 World Cup winner, World Cup final scorer, will not be directing the Nigeria game. We're fairly no. confident of saying that. No, he, he is the uh, manager in Spanish, not manager in English, of course, um, of the national team. And somebody put this to him on television last night and he seemed quite surprised by the suggestion, to put it mildly. Well, he would say that, wouldn't he? Yes. Um, there have been various names banded around uh, for Sao Paulo's replacement. We're not going to mention them. Um, because we're in the middle of the World Cup and we want to get to the last 16 that is one reason think about Nigeria the other reason that it is that it's all bollocks and Argentine particularly radio for some reason radio does it much more than than other media I mean not that television doesn't do it as well but particularly Argentine radio journalists will will say just about anything to get people to retweet them or to uh, to to listen to them Um, and it also turned out that Diego Simeone's audio was fake oh really yes surprise surprise He doesn't um, start Audi conversations with Germán Burgos, calling him Burgos, funnily enough, because no one in the history of telecommunication uses someone's surname while they're talking to them on the phone. If I was going to bet on one person who would do that, though, it would be Diego Simeone. Simeone. So in in one respect, at least, it was quite a good fake. Um, It was a very good... It was an impression from Argentine comic Mario Pergolini, who um, came clean this morning after duping... Pretty much the entire Argentine media, even though, if you think about it for 30 seconds, like, Simeone's not going to say this, and neither Simeone nor Burgos are going to leak it. Mm. So, indeed. Let's just think, really. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, the, the other reason that we're not going to mention any of these names is that Sao Paulo is almost definitely going to remain the Argentina manager into the medium term, beyond this World Cup, whatever happens against Nigeria, or indeed, if they make it there against anybody in the sixth uh, sixth round the round of 16 I meant to say the 16th but no it's the 8th isn't it the 8th of final um, because his contract runs until the end of the next World Cup and it would currently cost according to something I read in La Nacion this morning it would cost 16 million dollars for the AFA to fire him now and remember they're still or at least for another couple of weeks they're still pl- paying Gerardo Martino and Edgardo Balsa um, for having sacked both of them. Uh, I have a question for you, Sam. I'm guessing we'll be moving on to listeners' questions fairly soon, but I do have a question for you. Go on. Uh, I'm assuming you saw Nigeria's impressive win against Iceland today. I did, indeed. Um, it's a two-part question. Can Argentina beat Nigeria on Tuesday, and how could they beat them? I think what they have to do is... Um, put everything on Messi yeah and make him do everything because that's that's worked really well until now yeah. I'm joking obviously um, it's after the the way Nigeria played that match it's, it's difficult to, uh, to 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 say the way that Nigeria played against Croatia you could maybe see it that Argentina against Nigeria, as we mentioned earlier, is a world, uh, uh, quite a frequent fixture in recent World Cups. And Nigeria always seemed to leave themselves quite open. 
even in that friendly last year when Nigeria thrashed Argentina, they conceded two goals. So that maybe gives you some hope if, say, Argentina have got an informed goalkeeper. Ah. If only there was somebody in the squad for Argentina who could come into goal and who's been playing regularly and in really good form. Who would you say suits that save. position? I can't think of anybody. No? No. No fashionable name. There, there are literally no alternatives to Willy Cabachero. As I said a few days ago, I wouldn't have made the decision in San Paoli's case to just drop Romero straight away. I would have phoned up Guzman and I would have said, hey, come along as the fourth reserve goalkeeper because if there's one position you can afford to take that extra player in, it's goalkeeper and then make the decision on the day of the match, about, or, or the day before the match, sorry, about Romero's fitness. Um, but having... After what Cabachero did against Spain, I wouldn't have had him in the squad. No, I think we both As were I said, agreed in that. Several times. Uh, having had to drop Romero, I can understand that it then becomes a very difficult decision because whoever you pick is a novice. But Armani is the player in form. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're going to sort of make such a big song and dance over the last 12 months of you know constantly going to Manchester and saying to Sergio Romero, hey, if you're not playing regularly, I don't know whether I can guarantee you a starting place. But then you play Willy Cabachero even after he you know, drops a bollock in a friendly against Spain, has no test whatsoever against Haiti, drops a bollock against Iceland, and then you still start him against Croatia. If, if he starts against Nigeria, you know, I, I made the point the other day that after the Iceland draw, Diego Maradona, reacting as if Argentina had already been eliminated from the World Cup, said, San Paoli can't come back to Argentina. Willy Cabachero, <laughs> if they don't get out of this group... Willy Cabachero is going to need a very impressive disguise indeed the next time he flies into Essaysa. At the very least, a wig. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not necessarily saying that that's, that's a, the correct way of reacting. But it's a reality. But it's, it's the reality, yeah. Shades of 1958 when the Argentina team were greeted back at Essaysa with a hail of coins and other missiles? Perhaps. Yeah. That could well be. Um, and, you know, particularly as well, putting him in the squad because, oh, we, not, we want a goalkeeper who's good with his feet. And then that happens. And then that, yeah. And, and Azubeldo Filiol, probably Argentina's greatest ever goalkeeper, certainly in the top three, um, said on Twitter earlier on, it, there's this kind of erroneous concept recently that, that goalkeepers should be good with their feet and that that's like having an extra outfield player. Hmm the first thing a goalkeeper has to be good at is making saves and then anything else is a bonus mm-hmm. and yeah, people forget that sometimes <laughs> and you know okay Franco Armani might not be as good with his feet although he's pretty good at rushing off his line when a, the high ball gets played in behind the high pressing defence as, as we've seen for River a few times in the last few months and just knocking it out, of, out into touch or whatever but he, he's good making saves you know I, I, I I made the argument for Cabachero a few months ago, a few weeks ago, when it became apparent he was going to remain the number one, saying, well, OK, if you're trying to guess at the reasoning, then you could say, I guess, Cabachero has been training week in, week out with strikers of a higher calibre than we see in the Superliga. Maybe that's worth something. Um, but I think it's you know fairly obvious that there's no substitute for match practice all the same. No, plus, to be honest, um, after all the talk of playing with one's feet and... And keeping possession, what Argentina really need against Nigeria is just Armani who or whoever is in goal to pick the ball up yeah. and launch it 
80 metres into the Nigeria area and see what rebounds come from that. Or, or just to give the defenders in front of them a bit of confidence that they can either push forward without necessarily conceding a goal the second the ball gets yeah. played back into the box, or just pass it back to the goalkeeper and not have him do something absolutely horrendous with it. Well, precisely. The, the other advantage Armani possibly has at this moment is that he has a pretty decent track record in finals. He's, does, and yeah. this is most definitely a final, to use the old cliche. You could even say that Argentina uh, have five finals in front of them if they got to the actual final, because every game's a final. Absolutely, yeah. There we go. And the pressure isn't going to come off if they reach the last 16, is it? You know, it might be tempting to think that, that it might, but I don't think it will. Um, we'll take a quick break now, and we will come back and go through some of your listeners' questions, not all of them for reasons that I shall elucidate in a few seconds' time after this theme music. this week's questions because um, some of them I think are better left until after the World Cup when, when we've got less to talk about we do, we do need to leave some things for to, to talk about after uh, at least Argentina's involvement's over um, some of them uh, tend to assume that Argentina's World Cup is already over and again I'm, I'm going to leave those ones as well for the moment uh, if you are a listener who has sent them in therefore don't think that I'm ignoring you just please you know, feel free to send them in in another week or two uh, when we know what the situation is because we have had a lot of questions, um, a lot of mentions and everything to wade through uh, for this week's episode. Well, this week's second episode. Yeah. For this episode, anyway. They're keeping us busy this week. They are. Yusuf Arman says, would you stick with Sampaoli? If not, who should replace him? Well, for Nigeria, I certainly would, yeah. <laughs> um and the who should replace him as I said I don't. I mentioned on Twitter earlier I don't really want to mention any names because it's just idiots throwing around yeah. names to get attention really so far um, yeah uh, Ricardo Gareca of Peru is plausible I suppose um, but again they still have to be able to sack Sam Pauli if and they sacking still, Sam Pauli yes. was going to cost me 16 million dollars then no I wouldn't sack him uh, yeah you've got to hope that he feels the pressure and quits, I guess, but would you quit if you had a $16 million pay- dollar payout coming? I oh, no, I wouldn't. I'd stay on to the better end. Johnny says, how did Sampaoli arrive at the decision to start Cabachero in goal? I saw enough of Cabachero at Man City to know that he was and is a disaster waiting to happen. I think just by default, really. He was next in line once Romero wasn't available well, he played matches didn't he Armani yeah. was going to play the Israel match which didn't happen and then somehow that meant that Cabachero got it by default because Armani hadn't had a test even yeah. though Cabachero's test was high tea during which he had to take a couple of goal kicks <laughs> which, which yeah. you know default is the only oh and because he's good with his feet yes that as well Jamie says, what's your reaction to this tweet from Miguel Delaney? Fair assessment. Miguel's tweet, uh, which we have given him the um, right of reply on and which he did respond to. 
uh, says, it's from just after the game yesterday, he said, to be fair, look at eight of the Argentine starting lineup: Pastic, Cavachero, Mascherano, and Perez. Who? Mesa, Salvio, Mercado, Taliafico, and Acuna. Um, as Miguel clarified, and which I had assumed when I saw the tweet yesterday, and that's why I didn't pick him up on it, uh, he was being flippant. Um, there, Jamie afterwards tweeted us an image from Miguel's article in which he makes a similar point, but one that's rather more nuanced, making the point that Argentina don't really have any absolute top quality players beyond maybe three names at the top of the list. And I think that that's fairly inarguable, really. Caballero definitely passed it. His, his time, you know, when, he, when everybody was mentioning him, or at least everybody outside Argentina was mentioning him for the national team, was when he was at Malaga. Um, Mascherano, I don't think there's much doubt about. Perez is, is a bit of a funny one. I might disagree because he's not had a great season at River, but he's reliable. I mean, he was the best Argentine player who wasn't called Lionel Messi against Ecuador in that crucial qualifier. Um, and yesterday, he wasn't a popular pick for anybody, including myself, in the starting lineup when the lineups came out. But when the actual match started, I thought he was one of Argentina's better players in the first half. Um, yeah. He missed that chance, but he. he put Messi in with a, a nice ball over the top which Messi couldn't quite get onto the end of but um, you know th- th- there was some there was some decent passing um, and he, he put himself around a bit and, yeah. and he'd been subbed off by the time the actual onslaught started which of course was part of the problem as well because Argentina's midfield lost shape as we said earlier and it bears mentioning too that uh, if you could probably rightly single out those players who don't have a name but the guys who do have a name haven't stepped up either no uh, no, exactly. Otamendi was one of the worst on the pitch against Croatia, in my opinion, even before the goals. Um, if we go back to the Iceland game, uh, the likes of Di Maria, Rojo... Ooh, goal by Switzerland. Uh, Di Maria, Rojo and Bilia were so bad that they had to be taken out, and these are three guys who are playing for quote-unquote top European clubs. Mm. Um, Iwain hasn't done anything to prove that he can bring his current Juventus form over to to Argentina. Ditto Diwala. No, exactly. And uh, Icardi hasn't proven himself for Argentina either, despite scoring 40 goals a season for Inter. So, for uh, it seems like the problem with Argentina, it's it's not about names. Um, it's about a general malaise that, that affects his team and, and just not really knowing... Uh, how to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah, indeed. So, I mean, basically, I, I think we could, I, I could summarise by saying that both of our reaction, I think it's fair to say to Miguel's tweet, is that the spirit of the tweet might be a little bit mean-spirited, but the essence and, and what he's actually trying to get at um, <coughs> isn't really incorrect. Uh, Ronnie Mazumda says, why did everybody stop playing after the first goal? It happened in the game against Spain and against Nigeria, and then in the second half, I assume he means the second half yesterday against Croatia, no fight was shown. There were 35 minutes to play and everybody stopped and started jogging as if they were a goal or two up in added time. Uh, that was one of the things that, that really surprised me most was the way yeah. that the heads sunk straight up. I mean, I say surprised me, it didn't surprise me at the same time. Um, the way that heads slumped as soon as that goal went in. Well, the fact that this is happening on a regular basis points to one thing and one thing only and it's uh, a chronic lack of morale, I mm. think. Possibly including the Nigeria game in there is a little misleading because if I remember rightly Argentina were either leading or tying that game at half time and then I think they were two one up at half time. Yeah, and then San Paoli made about seven changes. Mm. Uh so that, you know yeah, your classic game of two halves. Um but it, yeah, it is a 
it is a recurring problem. This team is is very fragile, uh, very high strung, and it's not one that seems uh, to stand up very well to adversity. Uh, even with uh, with Iceland's goal in the first match, uh, it wasn't it didn't put them behind. Of course, only an equaliser, but the manner of that goal and the fact that it came when Argentina were looking to, to press on and, and run away with the match um, it hit them hard and they were they were a shadow, a shadow of the team they had been before mm. yeah and, and the other thing I, I, I guess is that in the past four years ago if that had happened Mascherano in particular would, would have been up and talking to all the players as soon as the goal was scored and saying come on we've got 35 minutes to go stand up and we go again and yesterday he wasn't. Nobody was. Sam Pauli didn't call them over for a minute while um, Croatia. I was trying to remember the name of the opponents. While Croatia was celebrating, he, you know, Sam Pauli didn't call them over and get them all together and, and give them a chat. None of the players on the pitch took leadership either. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's definitely a problem. It's, it's perhaps exacerbated, as I said, by Sam Pauli's decision not to take a psychologist along because I can't make all the players go to the psychologist, as he said a few months ago when someone asked him. <laughs> And it's like, well, no, maybe not all of them, but for some of them it might be useful. And not taking one is, is a pretty, in, in uh, the days of modern football, you know, in the 21st century, it, it seems like quite a retrograde decision to me. Um, Wayward from Haywood tweeted this five hours ago. He says, assuming that Nigeria gets or got a result, they did, and Argentina and Croatia both win in round three, i.e. assuming that Argentina get through, does this team even want to be on the pitch? The nation wants so much for them, and thus far they're crap. You always have to think that perhaps getting through the first round, and especially in the way they would if it eventually happens, it is a weight off because you're in a situation at the moment where possibly 80% of the nation uh, is already thinking you're out. And you're being treated by the media and everyone around you as if you were. If they do manage to get through this, uh, I think they can go into the last 16 a little more relaxed, perhaps put away a few of those demons, and you'll have to see what happens. But, of course, if that happens, you're looking most likely at France in in the last 16. And... Yeah, against France, you're probably looking at a dignified defeat as your best-case scenario. Yeah, yeah, as you say, as your best-case scenario. Um, we're scrolling up now through a little bit of that Twitter conversation with Miguel. Uh, Wayward follows that up with, oh, and how do we beat France? <laughs> or is it too soon? Yes, it's definitely too soon. We'll come back to that, I'm sure, in the future. Um, well, I'm not sure, but hopefully <laughs> we'll come back to that in the future. Um, then we have Matthew... Lufta, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Matthew. Who says, Congratulations on reaching 300 episodes. Thank you, Matthew. Was Sam Pauli the right man at the wrong time for Argentina, considering the lack of the type of players needed to play within his systems? Yeah, very possibly. If he'd come in, come in a year earlier, when they tried to get him, but he'd just signed for Sevilla, so they couldn't, and they ended up getting Bausa instead, um, then I think things could have been very different by now. Yeah, uh, he might have already realised that he can't be quite so didactic and that he has to adapt to the players at his disposal rather than try to make those players adapt to the system mm-hmm. um, don't know what you think about it Don no I'd agree with that um, 
I think at that time when when Sampaoli did come in, he was definitely a, a coach that Argentina have a lot of respect for, the AFA have a lot of respect for, and they indeed, as you point out, did want him in, in 2016, but I believe there was a clause in his Chile exit that said he couldn't take another national team job for until 2017, something like that. Yeah, for 12 months That's or something it. like and that. And he left in and if he January did, he'd have to pay them however much, or the AFA would have had to pay yes. the Chilean FA however much money on his behalf. Yeah. Um, but when Balsa left and Sampaoli came in, again, it's the same. Like, Who would you have turned to if not Sampaoli? Hmm. There was literally no one else. Yeah. Um, Matthew also says, also, will this prompt the AFA to stop the neglect of the youth systems of the last seven or eight years? I would say it's not really the last seven or eight years, it's 12 now, really, because yeah. it dates back to when Jose Peckerman um, and his whole technical team stood down after the 2006 World Cup. Uh, he'd been running the youth systems as well, not only, obviously, while he was the youth manager, but he, he had his own men in place of the youth systems um, prior to that, and Umbertito Grandona took over the job. Um, that was the beginning, really, of the, the gutting of Argentina's youth system. Yeah, to answer the question directly, no, the AFA is, is busy in all sorts of things. And, and also, Sampaoli doesn't really seem that... In, he sort of said when he first came in, he was like, yeah, I'm not that interested in, in taking over the youth system. You yeah, I suppose... The AFA's judgment in that. I suppose he came in just at the, at the end of another cycle for the, mm. for the youth guys. Like, it would have been just when the Under-20 World Cup was being played yeah right yeah. June 2017 around there where, which was a disaster for Argentina too um, I think that if Sampaoli does stay he'll have to take a, a more organic approach to to the whole system and, and realise that if he wants to get to 2022 and and possibly beyond he has to start looking at the under twenties because the talent is still there, peppered about in in the Superliga. We watch it every week. Uh, the question is, like, what do you do with with the players you got? Because well, the there's no that, coherent system. I mean, arguably, the talent isn't still there because the generation that, that we're now preparing to possibly bid farewell to the the generation of Messi, and Mascherano, and Aguero is a generation that won a couple of World Youth Cups, an under seventeen one, an under twenty one. And Argentina at recent under twenty World Cups have been awful. That sort yeah, of guy... two flashes, Lautaro Martinez dragging them through by the skin of his teeth and, and everything, but the rest of them have looked thoroughly ordinary, I think. But then the coach for the last World Cup was Claudio Vera, who Racing yeah. fans know is is sort of an expert or under uh, underachievement. And who who got the guy... job from a field of forty four people, if I remember correctly, and he was the only one of those forty four who hadn't actually applied. For yes, it. there were forty four projects sent in. I believe that was in the final days of Martina, right? That yeah, job came so. out uh, for the Olympics. Uh, yeah, forty four different projects uh, and, and binders were handed into the AFA to decide the next supremo of the Argentine youth divisions. And they picked the guy who didn't send in any sort of project at all, but I believe he was mates with uh, the ex-Belgrano president, Armando Perez. Perez ah, yes, who of was course, the, was the president of the, uh, the um, uh, normalising committee yes. that was in charge of the AFA at the time. Um, that's a continuation of the same Twitter conversation again. So that one. Scrolling up now. 
that one as well. Yeah. Who would be the coach of the under twenties now? I know Aymar is there as the under fifteen coach. The under Becacis is it not? Becacis is um, San Paoli's assistant. Man. I know, but I don't know if he's also got the under twenties under his remit. Hopefully, the main Wikipedia page on the Argentina national football team will tell us. There should be an under twenty page as well. Should there? Yes. Oh, no. There we are. Yes. Under 20 is managed by Claudio Obeda. I've got a feeling that's out of date then. Yes, it could be, couldn't it? Let's try it in Spanish. That might be a bit more up to date. Uh, is managed by... Sebastián Becasese. Oh, okay. So in that case, San Paolo is yes. showing some interest in it. Yeah. That's encouraging. Whether it will continue or not after the World Cup remains to be seen. Mm, but indeed. I'm guessing, yeah, if they sack San Paolo, they lost that. Also have to give Becasese. Like a Sicilian severance as well. Yeah. Which will be fun. Uh, Tariq Al Haidar says, I think that Argentina need to stick with San Paoli and hope that Messi doesn't retire. There needs to be some continuity, and with time, San Paoli can create a proper team. Do you agree? Yeah, sort of what we've been, what we've been saying. Uh, he's not become a bad coach overnight, and, and there's really no one else. Yeah, the, the talk and the supposition seems to be that, that Messi probably is going to retire after this World Cup that was the talk yeah. uh, even beforehand when, when some people were quite optimistic that Argentina might be able to send him out in a blaze of glory whether that will change you know, in frustration whether he fancies one last go in 2019 to, to end the trophy drought in Brazil um, at the Copa America next year uh, who knows I, I think that if, if I were Sam Pauli I'd be talking to him and trying to convince him as hard as possible to, uh, to do that um, but we'll have to wait and see really um, but yeah I mean certainly there, there does need to be some kind of continuity obviously but a new project also needs to be installed um, Sam Pauli seems to have been brought in as the man to do that as much as the man to lead this World Cup so yeah I think he should stay um, then we have somebody tagging us on Twitter to promote an article please don't do that people you are not able to anymore because I've switched our, our Twitter settings very annoying and it has clogged up our mentions even more because people have replied to that um, Asil says San Paoli I would like him to stay until the Copa he, he is able to understand Argentina's problem because he won the Copa in 2015 beating Argentina with Chile he was the third FIFA he, he finished in third place for FIFA's Coach of the Year award question one is he solving the problems and how much and question two does San Paoli's system adapt players or do players adapt his system? Uh, to take your second question first, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I think this is undoubtedly a case where he's tried to cram some rather square holes into some round pegs. I said that the wrong way around. Some rather yeah, square pegs into some round holes. He's making more of a mess of it than I did of that sentence so far. Solving the problems? No, not yet. As far as we've seen that. Maybe in the future, yeah. but not right now. Um, more questions Leonardo Nessi I think this is one of the ones yeah the, Leonardo Nessi your question is one of the ones that I wanted to leave for after the World Cup is over um, I'll read it out but we won't it, it's basically asking about uh, the AFA restructuring that's, that's likely to happen um, how you get around to that um Blah, blah, blah. Yusuf's already asked one, but wants to congratulate us on 300 episodes. Thank you, Yusuf. Tom Robinson says, no 300 seconds of silence to start the pot then. To which the answer is no. That would be rather boring in an all-audio 
um, format. I think he's probably referring to the TSA people who had a minute of silence on <laughs> on television Class. last night after the game. Um, Ronnie has either sent us that question twice or it's showing up in our Twitter mentions twice. It could be either one of those things. Um, Darren Paul says, I assume this is a joke question. How much nah, better would Darren Paul never, have been? never jokes about Oed. Had they taken Lautaro and Oed? <laughs> Sincerely, <laughs> would more domestic players be better for the side? I'm thinking of a hard-working central midfielder, for example. I don't think that what Argentina need is necessarily a hard-working central midfielder. No. I think they have a surfeit of those. Yes. Or maybe they not need... a surfeit, but they have a, a sufficient number. They need what a central midfielder who can pass. The yeah, they, 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 they yeah. need a playmaker. Uh, and this, this actually goes into a question that we're going to be asked in, in a few minutes as well, or that I'm going to be reading out that we've been asked a few hours ago. Um, well, just to stay on just, Darren's on. point for one minute, uh, bringing together, if you wanted a passing centre midfield, domestically based, I can only think of one really who would be, in, who'd be eligible for, for Argentina, and that's Racing's Nelly Dominguez, who is sort of that player. Hmm. I'm not saying he should be called up, but he's the kind of player they could they could do with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Possibly Nacho Fernandez, but he's a bit yeah. more of a a runner, and he hasn't um, been in great form. And, no, and also he, you know, he made the list of 23 and then uh, 35, sorry, and then didn't get into the list of 23. And I don't think any of us had a real problem with that. No, perhaps um, yeah. Pizarro would have made a difference. Somebody know. creative, yeah. I think. Is somebody creative, Paredes. I don't know. Uh, Darren also says also I can't get over Acuna at wing back it's just bizarre but that is where he started as we mentioned before yep Ziggy Z says which players do you think will form the backbone of the next one heading into 2022 so that's going to be one that we leave for later Ziggy Uh, outside right says where does Argentina go from here is it time for a reboot again we'll leave that one until after the um, uh, the World Cup's over if you don't mind Mr. Outside Sean Mm. Allen Lee says, why for the love of God can't Dybala start instead of Mesa? Enough with him not fitting on the pitch with Messi. I mean, it's not really enough with him fit, not fitting on the pitch with Messi, is it? Because he doesn't. No. And so why would you start him? Because that's a wasted part of the starting eleven. We, we saw it yesterday, as I said, with him apparently determined to continue playing in the same space as Messi, even <laughs> when it would have made more sense, given that Messi was dropping wide, for Dybala to go into the middle and link up with Higuain. Um, so I, I think that Yesterday actually was a really good example of why I wouldn't start Dybala because he doesn't appear to have learned from his own mistakes. No, Dybala is a guy who is going to have every opportunity to become Argentina's next next superstar once uh, once Messi hangs up his boots, which shouldn't be too long. And I, and I also have to say, in one of the press conferences that you know players get wheeled out each day at the World Cup for press conferences, and he was one of them the other day. Um, and some of the things that he was saying. I think that it wouldn't surprise me if he, if he turns out to make quite a decent manager afterwards because he seems to, on an intellectual level, I think he's identified the problem and he, and he realises. I just think that yesterday when he got on the pitch, his instinct was taking over too much and he got a little bit lost. Um, but I, I think that he sort of knows what he's doing and yet at the moment he doesn't it. seem to be able to stop himself from doing it. It's a bit like my cat, who as soon as you get the toy out... You know, you're, uh, when, when we're trying to tempt her out of the bedroom to, to bring her into the living room for the night. Or vice versa. She, she'll be, you know, she'll look from the toy and she'll look up to me and I can see her thinking, oh, I know what you're doing. I know exactly what you're doing. And I'll look at her and go, yeah, well, go on then. Don't, 
don't follow it. Maybe click the toy out and see legs after it. Um, you know, it, it, Dybala reminded me a little bit of that. So Dybala is a cat. That is... Yeah, why not? A hot take. Um, Sean also says, also, can we agree that Sampaoli butchered the goalie situation? Yes. Yes. Yes, we can. Love the pod. Appreciate the good work. Thank you very much, Sean. Um... Darren Paul says, those Argentine fans beating the crap out of that Croatia fan is a sickener. No question, they're just disgusted by it. It's 2018, for fuck's sake. Yeah, um, scumbags. Basically. I hadn't heard about this. Darren was kind enough for, or, I don't well, maybe not kind, but Darren sent me a, a link to it um, from the Mirror. Uh, yeah, we've talked about the Barabarabas an awful lot. I'm going to assume that those guys are Barabarabas. Um, because that you know, if, if you're following Argentina to a World Cup and then beating people up, then I think that's the the assumption uh, that's that's going to get made about you. And yeah, you know, you're not going to find any argument with um with that point of view here. Uh, then we've got another continuation of that really long Twitter conversation between all of us and Miguel. Um, Luis Bessone says, first I forgot to thank you to and Andres for a great hop two nine nine. Really enjoyed it. Always absorbing stuff. Thank you very much, Luis. Uh, you couldn't get it to Sam. I'm not sure what he means by that. I'm not sure what that's meant to mean. Uh, sorry, Luis. But he says, pretty sure you're next in line to replace Max Rushton. If they can afford me. Who's Max Rushton? Max Rushton is the current presenter of the Guardian's football podcast. Oh, there we go. Uh, Manuel Schweizer says, congratulations, guys. Thank you, Manuel. How could Argentina solve the problem of bringing the ball from the midfield line to the front players? especially to Messi in more dangerous areas. Uh, when he always drops back to get connections to his teammates, it's probably too easy to defend. Lo Celso or Banega as options. Lo Celso uh, and Banega, I think. Why not stick to him? Yeah, you, you put out a very attacking lineup uh, on Twitter yesterday or earlier today that I, I saw earlier today anyway. Um, I'm not sure I'd go quite that balls to the ball, mostly because I have that much faith in Banega, as you know. But uh, yeah... I, I thought that, that Messi did quite well at not dropping off too deep yesterday in the first half as well. He didn't touch the ball much. He was more patient. But when he did touch the ball, as you said earlier, he was winning it much further up the pitch, mm-hmm. closer to the area. And that kind of helped him to be more of a threat, even though he wasn't touching it much. What they need to do is get him continuing to play that high up the pitch, because in the second half, he dropped way back into central midfield. Um they need to continue to let him play that high at the pitch and get him the ball more often. Yeah. And so, yeah, again, you need a passer. You need someone creative in the field. Precisely. Absolutely. Um, uh, that's a reply to that bloke who tagged us. I missed one from Chris Hartley there. Did I? Chris Hartley says, loads of questions, but unlike Brazil, Uruguay, it doesn't seem that Argentina are producing good young players in all positions since Peckerman left the AFA in 2006. Hey, what did we say a few minutes ago? <laughs> who is currently in charge of youth development at the AFA? Sebastian Bacassese yes. is the current under-20 manager. But he's been the, a uh, little bit preoccupied with the World Cup so far. So he hasn't has. had that much time to do anything. And uh, the others, youth teams, let's do the under... I'm not going to bother with the under-15s, but the under-17s. Yes, Pablo Aymar. Pablo Aymar, yeah. Ah, he's under-17 as well. Yes. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he's in charge of the under-15s too, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, so there you go. Two names. Well, one name at least that everybody listening is going to, to recognise. I hope. Pablo Aymar Bekasese um, um, <laughs> you know regular listeners ought to recognise Bekasese's name of course because he was the manager of defence he was Ticia, um, having also been Sampaoli's assistant at Chile and is now a Sampaoli's assistant again, he has lovely hair right now. unlike Sampaoli he does doesn't he yeah. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Palacios says why is 
Why is it that winning Copa Libertadores at Sudamericana means nothing to the coaches of Argentina, past and present? Barrobero and Armani won it and never got a chance to play for Argentina. To which I responded, Armani's in the current squad, mm. and one would think, or one would certainly hope, that he's going to get a chance to play for them um, against Nigeria in a few days' time. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's... Uh, Barrobero could have had a chance, but... I don't think Barrobero was, was, was Argentina, and... it was national team quality. No, but the thing was... Romero was there and, and he wasn't making mistakes. Like, you don't take out a keeper if he's not making mistakes and he's not costing you anything. No, exactly. Like, mm, a keeper can't really do much more. There, there, there were always people both in Europe and here who were saying, you know, Romero doesn't play for his club side. How is he playing for the national team so much? But the fact was that Romero never let the national team down. I mean, Romero certainly never did anything in, in his, what is it, 84 matches or something. Nothing like the things that Cavachero has done in... Well, not counting the high team match, but basically three consecutive matches against Spain, uh, Iceland and Croatia um, to to gift goals to opponents. Now, uh, I I hope that that doesn't sound too disrespectful to Haiti, but the fact is that he was basically a spectator in that game. Yes. Um, Luis Bessone says, years from now in an autobiography, after winning a few trophies for Newell's, a retired slash at peace Messi will likely reveal that he never wanted to be Albi Celeste captain and especially for this World Cup just wanted to play and win that penalty last Saturday the anthem yesterday paralysing grinding pressure yes. yes both agreed on that as I mentioned earlier Carlos Palacios hits the midfield nail on the head in my opinion when he says do you guys think that what Argentina needs is a playmaker a la Riquelme oh, that'd be fantastic all the way I'd tactically and in terms of how high up the pitch he got the ball um, Messi has never been as well served by Argentina as he was during the 2007 Copa America was it 2007 Copa America? yeah yes and the 2008 Olympics yeah Um, when Juan Román Riquelme was was feeding in the ball I mean Argentina don't have anybody there now and it's not just this squad you struggle to think of an Argentine player who's operating on that level and you think, okay, fair enough. The number ten is a somewhat outdated concept. Um, only Argentina really bothers with this, you know, pure playmaker role. But I'm not necessarily talking about a pure playmaker. We've just we're watching the the replays now of of, um, of the goals from yesterday and the second goal, Luka Modric. Yeah. Argentina don't have anybody of of that kind of thing. And Modric for me would be the nearest equivalent in the year 2018 to a playmaker in the, in the Riquelme mould. Yeah, either, as we said before, um, kind of more of a playmaker or, at the very least, a powerful box-to-box offensive midfielder like Abdurra Vida. Either one of the two would, would be just fine with me. Mm. Yeah. We haven't had either. But, I mean, at, at the least, as, as we say, you need a passer. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Carlos also says, do you, think, do you guys think that Garay should have been taken to the World Cup? This team lacks centre-backs. Again, yes, he should have been. We heard for months and months that Ezequiel Garay had asked not to be considered, and then Ezequiel Garay came onto a television interview and said, no, that's bollocks, I never said anything like that. <laughs> Did any of these articles include a quote from me? I never spoke to any journalists about this. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be rubbish. Um, so Sam Fowley took his own decision and, and chose to exclude Garay for some reason. Um, Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says, Argentina had no belief and fight. They were lucky in qualifying, and it showed. Tactically a shambles. Who would have guessed that Cavachero had mistaken him? I think he's being sarcastic. The Aguero sub straight after baffled me. When you're desperate for a goal and you don't take Aguero up, surely you go two up top and take the risk. 
I agree. I think that was a decision that Sampaoli had already made. Iguain yeah. had been warming up by about for about five minutes by the time the goal was scored. Apparently, um, I think uh, Sampaoli had decided to to vary the attack a little bit by um, by putting a big man in, as it were, mm-hmm. and that he didn't quite know what to do other than press on with what he already had in mind when Croatia took the lead. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Jamie says to Luisa's question earlier, you and I both know that the pressure of having to deliver a few cups for Newell's won't be straightforward to manage either. The Newell's faithful will be expectant. I think they'll be reasonably forgiving, though, in comparison with the national team faithful. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Um, I mean, if you go to Newell's now, if you go to their games, they've got Messi's face on banners, they've got <laughs> Messi, this is your house, you know, all the rest of it. I, I think that they'll be a little bit more forgiving than you might think. Um... Stephen Hooley says, with a big chance of progressing handed back to them by the Nigeria result, uh, how do Argentina capitalise? Sampaoli looks beaten, as do some of the players. Who is there in the camp that could drag a disorganised and ill-disciplined bunch together? Is it time to get Maradona down from the stands? For God's sake, no. (laughs) I don't want to live in an Argentina where Diego Maradona intervenes now with the technical team and is seen, even if he has nothing to do with it, is, is widely seen as being the reason that Argentina get out of this group. If that happens, I am moving back to Brexit Britain. Oh, it would be some story though, right? <laughs> Cuban cigar in the math pushing everyone more, more seriously though, to Stephen's actual question, yeah. who is there? Messi. Yeah. Basically. If, if, if Messi can, can get over this sort of fog of, of despair that seems to have enveloped him since that missed penalty against Iceland, by all accounts, he, he, he shut himself in his room for several days and, and hasn't really um, come out apart from training since then. Um, then. Then him or, you know, other leaders in the squad. But this is another reason that I think it was a bit daft to just the second Romero said, I'll be ready for the Iceland game to go, okay, you're out. We're going to call Guzman up again. Because, again, Romero is, is a key member of the group. Even if he's yes. not completely fit to play in the first match, um, surely you'd rather have him in your squad than now with Guzman. He doesn't seem to get on with anybody, <laughs> apart from anything else. Um, it is bizarre, and, and they're going to have to find somebody. I don't know who that's going to be. Um, Liam says, again, Messi didn't look right at all. He was under pressure and looked deflated, going straight down the tunnel at the end. When he has zero impact, no one else steps up. There is no plan B. Precisely. I mean, and, and this is one of the, the things I, I have mentioned before, I'm sure, how tedious I find the, the comparisons between Messi and Ronaldo. Um, but it, it's, it's one thing that I think Portugal as a whole deserve praise for was that in 2014 and in 2015 and in 2016, Messi got his teammates to the final. In 2014 in particular... He started laying some chances on silver plates for them in that final and watched them balls it up. And Ronaldo, two years ago, got his teammates to the final, got... Was he injured for the final or suspended? Injured after 10 minutes. That's right, yeah, and got taken off and then watched his teammates finish it off for him. And that is something that Messi's not had the luxury of doing. This is not supposed to be... I'm not saying this is a comparison or or to belittle Ronaldo or anything. I'm I'm saying it's it's Argentina's problem. Um, Yeah. And, and it's what makes them so frustrating to watch at times. Yeah, plus Ronaldo has the luxury of playing in a Portugal team that, while without him, it's not going to pull up any trees whatsoever. It's solid and well solid. They it's organised. They have midfielders. They have all these things. That yeah, they know if they put the ball over the top to Ronaldo, 
he's going to run and he's probably going to get a shot off. And if he does that 10 times a match, at least one of them is going to go in. Mm. It's not too much, uh, too much more complicated than that. Indeed. Um, Liam also says Argentina need to start again and rebuild more so without Lionel Messi. Will he retire for good after this World Cup? I'd 95% say yes. We'll have to wait and see, but it's looking that way. And it looked that way before the tournament started as well. Uh, and then Liam's back again. Bloody hell. Lots of people are asking lots of questions. Uh, now Argentina have been given a lifeline to getting out of the group. He's echoing Stephen here. How do they approach the game versus Nigeria? Who is there that can mend this broken team? I, they have to be attacking, but I don't know how they go about being attacking, frankly. I'm glad Passes I'm not the manager. It, yeah. Passes in the middle. Pavon. Lo Celso has to be on the pitch. Yeah. Pavon doing Pavon as well. Pavon has to get out wide because I remember he played well against Nigeria in the friendly. That's true. Linked up very nicely with Aguero and Sao and I believe both of them went off at half time, at least Aguero did. Mm. Uh, That's the combination Argentina need to work on because as much against Nigeria and and also against uh, Haiti, like Argentina's. Only real victories of the last God knows how long, um, and against Russia, yeah, uh, that's been the combination that's managed to get goals. Uh, aside from having Messi, yes, absolutely. Um, Liam also says must also add that Croatia were excellent last night. They they were particularly after after getting that equal, uh, the opener gifted to them, um, and that Maradona's reactions were hilarious. Also, congratulations on the three hundred milestone. Thank, Thank you, you very Liam. much, uh, J M says, will Sam Paoli remain as the Argentinian coach for the third match? I retweeted that one earlier with the comment that we're not going to dignify it with an answer. So we're not. Sean Lawson says, should Sam Paoli be sectioned for his own and his team's safety? Absolutely no disrespect intended to anyone who's been sectioned. Um, might not be the worst idea. I don't know. <laughs> you might need to, yeah. Depending on how things go with Nigeria, they'll at least need uh, a significant s- security calling. Uh, say so. Indeed. Luis Bessone says, first, congratulations on 300 episodes. Thank you, Luis. Your dedication is amazing and the pod is a wonderful addition to many of our hectic, stressful lives. Silly as it may sound. I still love Dan Colasimone's last hand of pod line. I can't believe how many people listen to this. <laughs> Sam overseeing his expanding empire and then he's put a gif there that I'm assuming is from Star Wars or something. It's something some space like people. It's got, it? yeah. Um... And Luis then says, now a question, another one. Do you feel Sampa, that's Sampaoli in shortened form, has been browbeaten to now start Armani as opposed to Guzman? Both keepers have consistent first-team experience and Paton, that's Guzman, is better with his feet. (laughs) Wouldn't the Buenos Aires media apoplexia be entertaining for you guys on ground level if Guzman is chosen? No, if Guzman plays and, God forbid, makes a mistake, Sampaoli will be crucified. Yeah. Publicly crucified plays, with a nail through his bald head. Yeah, if, if Armani plays and makes a mistake, That's all then it, it, the criticism will be much less. I, I know that a couple, you know, as recently as earlier this week, I said, well, you're between a rock and a hard place in terms of do you stick with the goalkeeper you've decided on or do you mix it up now for the second game? But mm-hmm. after Cabachero showing in, the, in that second game, um, I think that there should be a change. And in terms of the media reaction, if Sampaoli does want to insulate himself, if he does, is bothered about insulating himself from that, Armani is, is, is the choice. Uh, Guzman would be a much riskier choice in that context. That's not to say that I think that Guzman is a bad goalkeeper necessarily. 
Uh, but the other thing is that Guzman is, is very clearly the third choice out of the three that he's taken. You know, he only got into the, the squad after Romero um, had that, that injury doubt uh, expressed. So, yeah, it, it, it wouldn't seem very coherent to me to, to call Guzman up and put him in the starting lineup now. Although, obviously, I understand why Newell's old boys fan Luis is asking this question. <laughs> Uh, Sean comes back on his sectioning question to say there is a serious point here, by the way, namely, international teams need to be calm and stay under emotional control. How does Sampaoli's lunatic antics do anything other than make things much worse for his players? Any football team is an extension of its manager's personality. But he's not even the craziest manager we've had this decade. He's, no, no, he's certainly... <laughs> well, he's arguably the craziest manager, because I continue to maintain that Diego Maradona isn't a manager... I think um, he's talking about Sampaoli's antics rather than his tactics. Yes, if I'm yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. No, he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, uh, but yeah, it's. I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree there. I think he, he's not the best at transmitting calmness and authority no. to his players, and I think that definitely fed into the losing of collective heads um, when Croatia went ahead last night. But then uh, his chili team was very disciplined. Very. Eyes on the price. Well, so. funnily enough, Sean says it makes sense that it worked with Chile when they had hooligans like Vidal or Hara or cheats like <laughs> Sanchez. Argentina's players are mostly a lot more mellow. He couldn't be less suited to them. Yeah. Um, Probably something there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't really disagree massively with that, but I, I do think that he's, he's lost the plot a little bit and, and that also he's letting his fandom for Argentina get in the way of, of being a cool head himself as well, which isn't yes. helping again. Um, then... We're getting very close to the top of our mentions column now. One new notification. Let's click on it and see what it is. Oh, this just looks like a reply to something else entirely. Oh, right, yeah, that's that's another reply to our Twitter conversation with Miguel earlier. That's it. Can't be recorded for two halves of 40 minutes, though. Longer podcast than I was expecting it to be. Sorry about that, ladies and gents. Do uh, we dare to, to make a prediction for Nigeria? <laughs> Since we've been doing so well with them recently. Yikes. Um, no, I'm not going to. Fair enough. Andres isn't here to bully us into it this time around, so I'm not going to. Um, sorry about that, listeners, if you were looking forward to it. But, uh, Send in your own if you like. Myself got again. Yes, do that. We'll retweet them. Um, and also, sorry for not retweeting everybody's questions this time. They just started coming in so thick and fast after I tweeted uh, the appeal for them earlier that I, I wasn't able to. Um, anyway, thank you very much for listening to Hand the Pod for 300 episodes. Um, and we'll see you again after the Nigeria game for episode 301. If you're a Hand of Pod uh, Patreon supporter, of course, you'll already have been able to enjoy a short little Hand of Pod extra episode, which we're going to record right now but we'll be online before this goes up probably for now it's thank you and goodbye from English Dan goodbye and thank you for listening for 300 long episodes and from me goodbye goodbye